Before we get started in today's show, I want to tell you about Stamps.com, longtime sponsor of the BS Report. It's quick. It's convenient. More importantly, it's really, really easy to use. You do not have to go to the post office anymore. You can just stay home. Make your own office, your personal post office. You can avoid lines. You can avoid just standing there as somebody mails some package, some 79-year-old lady. Who needs that? Make your own mailing and shipping from your house. Stamps.com. Put in the top right of the site, BS. You'll get a deal and a scale and a whole bunch of other things. It's a great product. Uh, You can buy and print official U.S. postage using your computer and printer. Stamps.com will give you a digital scale. It will automatically calculate the exact postage for any letter or any package. They'll even help you choose the best class of mail. Wow. Why go to the post office? Just give it to the postman. Stamps.com. Check it out. The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. We're here in Austin for South by Southwest. It's been a while for this guy, Charles Barkley. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. We're taping this on a Friday. Okay. You did San Antonio, Cleveland last night. Yes. And Kyrie Irving. Um, went, went off. It was beyond a heat check. What do you call that? You know, and the thing that was amazing about it, those shots were contested. Mm. I mean, think about it, though. How many games have you been to in your life where a guy got 50 points? Right. I mean, um, even tonight, I, the best performance I'd seen before last night was night when LeBron scored 29 out of 30. But I'm not sure he had 50 that night. Yeah. Now, I'm not even sure he had 50 that he night. He had 48. Did he? Yeah. But to see a guy just – and, like, all those shots were contested. It was pretty impressive to watch. And because and the thing I liked about the game the most – uh, LeBron and Kawhi Leonard was playing like it was a game seven. They were trying to be, uh, Kawhi Leonard was going at him. Talking. He was beating him up good. Yeah. And then Tony Parker, people, again, Tony Parker was kicking his butt the first half. Yeah. And Kawhi Leonard just, um, excuse me, uh, Kyrie Irving just turned it on. He It was a, such a competitive game. And the thing I said on the air last night, how often do you get the best four players playing against each other? They have to guard each other on offense and defense. Yeah, I mean, you know, Matty Johnson, Michael Jordan don't guard each other. You know, I, you know, I didn't, you know, guard all the great players I played against. Other than Carl Malone, there's very few guys like this guy's great, and we can we guard each other the whole time. You know, you know, Scottie Pippen was great, but I didn't guard him, and he didn't guard me. So it was it was it was it was really cool. Jalen and I have been arguing about Kyrie for like two and a half years because yes. my thought was. I didn't think he was a pure point guard. I'm just like, a, he's I'm, not. I'm a point guard yeah. perfectionist. I yeah. want my guy to like set everyone up for 42 yeah. minutes and then take over the last six. And he's not wired like that. No. And my question was, will this ever work on a winning team? And now you're seeing it work, and it's, it reminds me a little bit of what you well, had with caveat, KJ. Though. That's but a caveat, though. But it's like with you, what you had yeah. with KJ, though, where he can just take yeah. over stretches. Yeah, but it's a little bit different because I don't want my, my point guard being ball dominant to be honest with you, because you want him to get other guys involved. Right. I mean, that's a unique offense they got. LeBron covers up a multitude of things. I think they're misusing Kevin Love. To say the least. Yeah, to, yeah, to say the least, they're mis- misusing Kevin Love. But ideally, you don't want your point guard shooting 30 times a night. Uh, ideally. Right. Yeah. Well, that, But that was the question is, can this guy figure out how to do what he does yeah. within the framework of a larger thing? Like, And that's the thing with Westbrook. 
he, he kind of goes back and forth. Some days he gets it, and then yeah. he has those games where he takes yeah. 38 shots, yeah. and you guys come on the set after, yeah. and you're having you a heart know, attack. But you know what's interesting? Uh, I'm in there with Chris Webber, Rachel Nichols last night, and Kevin Harlan. We're talking. You know, we talked to the coaches before the game. Yeah. And this is what made Greg Popovich the best coach in the NBA. He said, we're talking about Kawhi Leonard. He says, yeah, he's starting to get it now. What's that mean? He says what he means is, he says when he was younger, he thought when I called his play, he's supposed to shoot it. He didn't realize, like, the team is supposed to score. And me knowing what he meant, part of being a really good player is making the guys around you better. Just because the coach calls your name doesn't mean the players for you. Yeah. And so that, that kind of answers your question. A lot of these guys, they're great one-on-one players. But what they don't understand, if you learn to make the players around you better, it'll make your game easier. Like, like sometimes you're like, when I made a move sometime, I was like, I'm trying to get Cesar Ballas a score. I'm trying to get Mark West a score. I'm trying to get Olive Miller a score. Just because the coach called my play doesn't mean I have to shoot it. Right. And Popovich said that. He says, Kawhi's starting to get it now. When I call this play, that don't mean he has to shoot it. Right. It's for the team to score. And that's a great way to phrase it. Well, it's interesting, though. Westbrook, I think, is wired a lot like Kobe was, where it's like yes. the, best, a, the best situation for my team is what the best situation for me is. Yes. And that's how he thinks, and I don't think he ever changes. I kind of like it. Well, but that's the biggest difference. That's why they're out of the playoffs now. Hmm. You know, you can't just try to get yours. Because I think they could do a much better job. But do you think he's selfish? Or do you no, think he no. honestly feels like this is the best situation no, for my team if I do this? No, I don't think selfish is the right word. I think when you're so talented, but when you're so talented, you can get a shot every time. Yeah. You know, you know, for people forget, you have to understand something. Remember, Michael Jordan averaged 38 early in his career. Right. They were not winning. Yeah. When he went down to 28, they started winning. You know... When you're a great player like a Westbrook is, he can actually get a shot every single time. But what he's got to learn is, you know, maybe I should get Ibaka involved. Maybe I should get Cantor involved. Because that'll open up the floor for him, you know. Right. So yeah. where's Kyrie in that now? Kyrie has got to learn to, okay, maybe I should get Moscow a layup here. You know, maybe, you know, uh, get let's, let, let me get Kevin Love involved. Like when LeBron goes out the game, you know, like Kevin Love says, I'm a, he had, we had a little quote on him last night. He says, I'm, I'm not a stretch for, I'm a, I'm a good post-up player. But you know what? He never posts up anymore. But, but that's, I don't know if that's his fault. It's not I, his it fault. Seems like it seems that's the team's fault. It is the team's fault. But yeah. it's, it's his fault, too, because he's got to demand the ball. I yeah. said this last night. When I played... If we go into a love, like I'm good when everything's working. When we go to a love and they're a love and everybody's shooting the ball, I'll stand right in the lane and just, just stand there and just let them call three seconds on me. And then I'd curse them out at the time I'm out. Uh, Michael Jordan's done. I've seen Magic, Bird, uh, Magic do it. I've seen Larry But Bird. your personality was much more forceful than I think Kevin Loves is. But he's getting blamed for stuff that's not his fault. He's not demanding the ball. You could. Bill, listen, ain't no nice guys. We, the objective is to win. Yeah. They just had him standing out on the wing, like, uh, just standing there. He's too good He's a player. He's cheating fry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he, Like, uh, you got to demand the ball. But this is great for me because now, yeah. now there's a chance he's on the Celtics next year. So I actually want them to yeah. keep him out there. You know, it, I know he's not going to be happy out there for three years. Yeah, but, you know, the thing that's interesting is 
when Kyrie learns he got to get Kevin Love involved, it's, you know, he was making horse shots last night. Flipping yeah. up left-handed. <laughs> He'll learn when he gets Kevin Love involved, that big guy won't be back there. He'll stay on Kevin Love more if, right. if he thinks he's going to pass it. But like Mike Conley's on that. Let's say Mike Conley's on the team instead of Kyrie. He's he's thinking about Kevin Love during the games. He's thinking like, oh, Kevin hasn't gotten the ball in a while. In a while, he is. A I gotta real, get him something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a like a pure point guard. Yes, he's probably the most underrated point guard in the league. Well, can you win with a ball dominant point guard? Because it's never really happened. Well, I don't know if you can win, but I think, like I say, it's different when you're playing with LeBron because mm. uh, he gonna cover up some issues. He's got Kevin there now. They got Moscow. I don't know how far they can go. Uh, but you, you really don't want your point guard shooting 30 times a night. I mean, it's not like, hey, when you uh, do your little plays in practice, you run actual plays. It doesn't say the point guard just shoot it 30 times. Right. But it doesn't really do you the good to, to run through your offense and practice. Yeah. You know, I, you know like, and, and listen, Kevin Johnson, to me, was a great player. And sometimes you have to check your ego at the door. You say, can I get a shot every time? Of course you can get a shot every time. But then you have to, like, you have to realize, like, it, it, it opens up the floor when they think you might pass the ball. Well, you guys, I always thought that was interesting, 93, 94, 95, you and KJ. Yeah. Both of you, you, were, you had to be double teamed. Yeah. He could go by anybody whenever he wanted. But and the it was always is, this balance of yeah, figuring it out. Yeah, but the difference out. is, like, I, I'm... I'm drawing a double team to get Marley a wide open shot yeah. or to get Sabalos a shot. He was going to score. Yeah. You know, Ken always said, we used to love when, when Kevin would get 30, 35 points because he wouldn't get other guys involved. But that's not selfish. That's when, that's like a Westbrook. I don't think Russell is selfish. I just think he's so talented. He can get a shot every time he wants one. But now you got four guys standing. Yes, you got four guys. Just kind of watching. And see, you see one of the criticisms of Cleveland is the offense becomes stagnant sometimes. It's same thing with LeBron. The, it's all one-on-one stuff. Yeah, same with yeah. LeBron. Sometimes they become stagnant because they can get a shot every single time. Yeah. And just you, just because you can get a shot every time don't mean you should get one every time. The only person I can remember actually winning a title, mostly going one, one-on-one, was Jordan that last year when everybody was banged up, and they really didn't have anything else. Pippen had the bad back. Yeah. Rodman was pretty much done at that point. They had a little coup coach, but yeah. um, for the most part, like even when Kobe won his last two titles, yeah. they would still go through Gasol yeah. or go through Bynum. They yeah. had different yeah. options. It wasn't just Kobe hogging it. You know, it's always a team game. I think that sometimes people, uh, you know, they give you individual accolades, but, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett, <laughs> you know, who's who I like a lot. Yeah. He lost in the first round eight years in a row. Right. And then they gave him Ray Allen and Paul Pierce, and people are like, well, he won the championship. Of course he did. He got Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Right. Nobody said the same thing with Paul Pierce. Nobody said Paul Pierce, like, they're like, oh, he won the championship. Like, yeah, when he got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. So people, they, they give individuals credit, but it really is a team game. But you saw that happen to you. All of a sudden, in Phoenix, you're the MVP. Yeah, and I, I told you, my, and I was and a you much better player. you probably had a better year in 90, right? Oh, man, 90. Magic I, took your MVP. Yeah, they did. They screwed me that year. Because I should have been MVP. And the only thing bothered me, I have no problem with Magic winning. The only thing that bothered me. Yeah, you do. Yeah, uh, no, you have no, a little no. tiny problem. No, 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 I'm going to tell you the problem I had is, uh, let's say this year. Yeah. This year, there's four candidates for MVP. 
James. Curry. Curry. Westbrook. Westbrook. LeBron. LeBron. Maybe Anthony Davis kind of lingering in the but background. But he, he's going to be five. Yeah. So those guys should be in the top four on everybody's list. And we talked about it on our show last week. I got every first place vote. And I didn't get any other votes. That was the only thing that bothered me. I like, okay, if you want to vote for Magic, but I'm at least second, worst case scenario, third. I got the most first place votes ever, and I didn't get any other votes. Right. And, that was, and that was the only thing that really bothered me. And I, because I knew it was going to be close. But like I said, if I'd have got any second place votes or third place votes, even fourth place votes, I would have won the award because it's the closest vote ever. But the only thing that really bothered me is this is how do I get all the first place votes and no other votes? Well, you had you had it both ways because yeah. the media shapes that stuff so much. Yeah. If they like somebody. If somebody doesn't talk to the press, they don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, well, you were in Philly. You were you're a pretty polarizing guy. You're yeah. outspoken. You're getting mm-hmm. in, and all of a sudden you go to you go to the dream team. Barkley's the great guy. He's the mm-hmm. life of the party here. You go to well, Phoenix. Because I was oh, the, Barkley's figured yeah. it out. You were the same guy. No, but I, see, I was under so much stress because, it, it, you know, the, the greatest compliment I ever got was from Chuck Daly. He said, you're the second best basketball player in the world. First, I said, who's better than me? And uh, <laughs> we used to joke about that all the time. Because it was a really nice... You're talking about summer 92. Summer 92 on the yeah. green team. Watching me play for, he says... You're the second best basketball player in the world. I says, and I, I was joking with him. I said, who's better than me? And uh, it was a really nice compliment. But I was under so much stress in Philly. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't great with the press. Because when you're a great player, they blame you for the team not winning. And it was starting to play. Because the, that, that, the dream team was a really good thing for me. Because I know I was, I thought I was the best player in the world, to be honest with you. But uh, I was under so much stress because my team sucked. Yeah. So I probably wasn't good with the press doing that because I'm sitting there like, I know I can play. Right. I'm averaging 28 points and leading the league in rebound, and I know it ain't my fault we're losing. Yeah. But that's the way it is when you're a star. They love you. They love you. Well, you're not winning. So I was under tremendous stress. So the dream thing was was really good for me because – if I remember correctly, I led the team in scoring and rebounding. Because the game is always easy when you play with better players. Yeah. When I got to Phoenix, they gave me, I said, I got Kevin Johnson and Dan Marley. I'm good. Right. You know, because I remember having this conversation with Cotton Fitzsimmons. I said, we're going to the finals. He said, how you know that? I said, ain't nobody out here better than me. I said, I finally got some help. I said, ain't nobody. I said, to be honest with you, I don't think there's anybody in the world better than me. And I said, I got help now. We're going to the finals. I says. There's only one guy I think comparable with me. And I said, that's Michael Jordan. And at that time, I'll be honest with you, when I played for the Sixers, we beat the Bulls, I want to say, 12 times in a row. That was before Scotty became full-blown. Horace Grant was terrific. And then they got – but we beat them, like, every time. They couldn't, I, beat, they couldn't beat the I team. remember this because I bet on you in 1990 when yeah. you played on them in the playoffs. Well, they were better by then. Yeah. But early in my career, I said, they got nobody can stop me. But I remember one of the worst nights of my life was, you know, uh, talking to my daughter. And we played the Bulls in the finals. Right. So we lost game one because everybody was. game two, right? Yeah, yeah, game two. Everybody was nervous. And, and, and we lost a close game. So game two, my daughter, uh, she said, Dad, you've never lied to me. I said, nope. She says, you're going to win tonight, right? 
And I said, we're going to win, and we're going to win this series. You were home, right? Yes, yeah. game two. And I scored 44, I think. And uh, Michael scored like 50. Yeah. And I remember going home that night, and she was crying, and I was saying, she said, Dad, what happened? I said, uh, this guy might be better than me. Yeah. And I said, I've never played against a player that I thought was better than me. Because I thought, because I said, I can uh, dominate a game offensively, rebounding-wise. I says, and I remember sitting there, when she, uh, she was crying. I says, and I remember just sitting there like, is this guy better than me? Or does he have more help? And like I say, uh, it, it, was, it was a long series, and we won game three. Lost game it's a four. fascinating series. It was a fascinating yeah. series. I think the road team won what five of the six. Yes, yes. Uh, but it was a, it, that was a very frustrating time for me because I never thought that I had played it during that little six seven year window. Yeah, that I thought I played against anybody that was better than me. I wish I could bring in Larry Bird right now. Larry Bird had McKill in Paris. He was the legend, though. He was. Larry Bird was great. But I'm saying, you gave me Bird, uh, you gave me McHale in Paris. I'd well, be... you you carry the McHale torch better than any of the Because he was great. You uh, knew he was great. Yeah. Great. And Paris was great. Yeah. And Dennis Johnson was great. And Magic, as great as Magic is, I got respect for him. He had Kareem and James, uh, Kareem and James Worthy the and Byron Scott. Skyhook. Like, if I had any of those guys... I remember, it was so funny, I, I, one of my great coaches is, is Jimmy Lanham, who I love to death. We were playing the Celtics in the playoffs, and they walk out with Bert McKill and Parrish, and I walk out with Shelton Jones and Manute Bow as a coach. The coach, look at this here. Look at this here. He looked at me and says, good luck. And I said, but, uh, uh, but I felt doing that window, I was like, there's nobody can compete with me. Yeah. I'm going to get 25 to 30 points a night, and I'm going to get 12 to 15 rebounds every single night. Which which game, which series haunts you the most? 94 uh, Houston? No, probably. Like, didn't you feel like you were going to win the title that year? Jordan's playing baseball. Yeah. Like it's on a well, platter for you. But I, it was, no, I mean, we lost to the champs in seven games. I mean, they, we couldn't figure out a thing to do with Akeem. Yeah. I mean, he was just a beast. Uh the, the the Bulls series bothered me the most because we couldn't win a home game. Yeah, I mean we lost game one and two at home. And as you said, you guys were nervous. Like KJ was not KJ in that series yeah. until about midway through. Yeah, uh, my, they were nervous for game one. I felt pretty good, and then game two, I said we're just gonna win tonight. I'm gonna dominate the game. Like I say, Michael Steele beat me. Yeah. So then game three, we won. You won in Chicago. Yeah. Wasn't that like a double overtime game triple or something? Overtime, yeah, triple overtime, I want to say. Then game five, Michael scored 55 again. Yeah. And then game, game that was game four. He scored 55 points. Then game five, I was furious the whole day. Because you're down 3-1. I'm down 3-1. But I'm furious. That, that's not why I'm furious. All these people. So it, it, when you're on the road, it's, you're kind of locked in and you're in a hotel room. These people in Chicago, tw- they got all the newscasts boarding up the city. Yeah, planning the party. Uh, they're, they're like, uh, it comes on first thing in the morning. They're planning, like, we're boarding up the, win- the windows because these people are going to ride tonight. So I wake up to this, go to practice, and they're asking me those questions about, uh, you, you know, you're down 3-1, it's over, blah, blah, blah. That pissed me off. And then you turn on the news uh, at noon, 
the same thing. You see they're boarding up the city because they want to protect their businesses. And then you go to the game and you pass like, uh-oh, these people are planning on celebrating tonight. And I told the team, we're not, we're not losing tonight. <laughs> we're not. Uh, and I says, and I started to chant, let's save the city. <laughs> so uh, let's save the city. You know, because when you're down 3-1, you got nothing to lose. You just got to go out and let it go. So we yeah. Started, yeah. And then we win the game and we get back home. So that probably bothers not, not being able to win a home game probably bothers me more than anything. That series was tight. Yeah, it was a great series. By the way, we were talking about Kyrie earlier. Yeah. You destroyed Weber in that game in 94, right? What was that, like 54, 56? Yeah, because he made me mad. Because he uh, did a commercial he where did. he dunked on you. Yeah, he did. Well, they, you know, it's so funny. It, and first of all, we're really cool. Chris is one of the great guys I work with. Yeah, but you can still make fun of him for that well, game. No, I, no, because let me tell you what's so funny. Nike calls me. So uh, I got a great basketball brain. I like... Kenny calls me the basketball whisperer. Like, mm. it's just easy for me. I can watch a team play or a player play it. I can tell you within 10 minutes whether he can play or not. Yeah. And I don't know how to do it. I mean, I just got that gift. I mean, so we're running down the court, and I said, oh, he's a bad free throw shooter. I'm going to foul C. Webb. So I reached the, the fouling. He puts the ball behind his back, and I get air. Yeah. And I said to myself, oh, and he brings it around, and he dunks on my head. Yeah. And great play on his part. So about two months later, I get the phone call from Nike. Hey, we want to use you in this commercial. I said, what commercial? See, we have dunking on you, and I just started laughing. I said, I got no problem. Chris has always been a great kid. So I started laughing. And then they shoot a commercial, and they got him in the barbershop laughing with all the brothers making fun of me getting dunked on. Uh-oh. So I put a mental note there. Yeah. And we haven't played in the first round of the playoffs. And that I, was a good Warriors team. Spree was on. Yeah, they were really good yeah, team. Yeah, they were t- Hardaway talented. So I, I have a triple-double the first game. Yeah. I have a triple-double the second game. I scored like 30, 15, and 10 in all three games, I think. So going into game three, this one they're doing three out of five. So we start, I got like eight, I said, I want to get the series over. I got 18 at first quarter. Yeah. And they're not doubling me. <laughs> they're not doubling me. So I walk over. I said, you disrespected me right now. <laughs> I said, I got 18 points in the first quarter. You're not, he says, you're not, we're not doubling you all night. I said, you're not going to double me? He said, you've almost had a triple, you've had a triple double in the first two games. Good luck tonight. We're letting you get yours. We let, I said, okay. Okay, thank you. And I said, wait a minute. You're really not going to double me? He said, nope. And then I said, coach, give it to me every single time. <laughs> they are not going to double me. And then uh, that's one of the really cool things. That's like the second most points ever been scored in the playoffs. Proud of that stat, and you kind of killed the commercial. Yeah, because like they they were disrespecting the me. Anymore. They were disrespected me, not doubling me. Who had, who had more natural power forward talent, C. Webb or Derek Coleman? Oh, Derek Coleman. Is Derek Coleman the most talented, pure tools power forward ever? I don't know about that. 
Like, what else would you want from a power forward that he didn't well, have? Well, he was different because he wanted, like, he could shoot threes. Right. He could shoot. Like he was, first, of all, first of all, his left handed. First yeah. of all, he's a big dude. Six, nine and a half, yeah. At least. But, the, the, like, Dirk um, and, and KD, they are not power forwards. They got power forward size. But a guy who could shoot the three and post you up. Right. Uh, that was scary. I always thought he was the most naturally gifted one, but now Davis, I watch Davis, I'm thinking uh, like, man, uh, he might actually reinvent this position. Well, you know, the only guys who can reinvent positions like a LeBron or Magic who, like, you You can't know what position they are. You you can't match up with them. Yeah. Like, Magic, you can't put a little guy on him, and you can't put a big guy on him. Yeah, what do you do? A LeBron's like that. Yeah. Uh, Derek Coleman's like, you can't put a big guy. But in fairness, Kevin Durant and Dirk are like that too. Because right. if you put a big guy on them, they're just going to take him out on the floor. Uh, and Or they can post him up. Uh, but Derek Coleman was terrific. But Anthony Davis is like that. He's really, he's got a power forward. Well, first of all, he's probably got small forward quickness. Yeah. But you can't put a power forward on him because he'll take him out there 12 to 15 feet. He's got the McHale arms. Yeah. The freak arms. Yeah. And also, like I say, it's tough for a center to guard him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where his career goes. I can't figure out. I mean, he just turned 22. Well, it just depends on what they put around him. That's my fear. Yeah, they got to put the... I'm not crazy about the coach. I don't yeah. know about well, Tyreek Evans yeah. and crunch time. Well, it's, it, well, it just depends on they put around him. Uh, how far he... Because, like, uh, you know, if you put him anywhere, players around him, the rest is going to be history. Do you think right now the talent pool is comparable to what it was in the early 90s when no. you had all your dudes? No, it was always better in our league, and that's no disrespect to these young guys. Yeah. The problem is they don't know how to play. They play strictly on talent. Are you saying this as old school no, get, I'm up saying my, this, I'm get up saying, my porch check? No, or no, like, no, no. I'm saying this as you have to understand something. When you're in high school, you just play. Yeah. I had the same conversation with Grant Hill and C. Webb and Reggie Miller the other night. Yeah. When you are, uh, are really good in high school or really big in high school, you're not working on anything. You're just bigger, stronger, and faster. You don't actually learn how to play basketball until you go to college. Because that's the first time you play against big people or other guys who can play. I mean, think about it. In high school, I probably played against one guy who was over 6'5". Yeah. You're not playing against 6'8", six, 6'9", six, in high school. Uh, most players don't play against other guys. I mean, uh, so you learn how to play in college. So these guys aren't learning how to play. That's the biggest. You're not going to learn in 30 games. You also learn how to fail from your era. Like, you didn't make the Olympic team. Nowadays, like, all the elite guys would, they just get coddled. They get whatever I want. They get to go to whatever college they want. I I don't know if they actually learn what it's like to... To not get well, what because, they you know, want. Uh, you know, I'm not a big AAU fan because Me it, it putting all the good players together. Right. What does that prove? Right. Like I want to play against other good players. Yeah. Like first of all, that makes my game better. Yeah. And that teaches me how to compete. Like you know, we're talking about the Kyrie Irving and Tony Parker. That was old school. Like we don't want to play together. I'm gonna kick your ass, and you're gonna kick my ass. It was the same way with LeBron yeah. and Kawhi last night. Yeah. When you play AAU, it's like. Uh, let's get all the players together, and we just go around mauling people. How does that make you a better player? Nah. Uh, it does not make you a better player. Like, uh, you know, I talked about last night, uh, 
th- this notion that you're going to play hard for 82 games. That's stupid and silly. You, you, nobody can do that. Nobody plays 100% every game. Except Westbrook. Uh, yes. <laughs> but but, but uh, you see, uh, when you know when, I'm, when you see, I know, oh, we're playing Magic Johnson tonight. I got to bring it. Step I'm up. playing against Carl, Carl Malone tonight. I'm playing against Magic. I'm playing against Bird. Paul McKeskey, not the you, same you know, kind of feeling. You, know, you don't have the same energy level. Yeah. But that game... Last night felt like these guys want to compete. And I think that's one thing that's missing. And they always want to act like it's the old guys. It ain't the old guys. Anybody that watched the NBA, I'm sitting up with Kevin Harlan last night, and Rachel talked about it. These guys are really out here balling. Yeah. I mean, that's what the NBA used to be. Anytime I saw Carl Malone, I'm like, dude, I want to prove that I'm the best power forward. You know, the best example I can give you is on the Dream Team. Like, Patrick Ewing and David Robinson tried to kill each other at practice. They want to prove who's the best center. Me and Carl Malone were trying to kill each other to prove who's the best power forward. Clyde Drexler was trying to kill Michael Jordan because I'm tired of people talking about Michael Jordan. It didn't work. Uh, but, you know, Clyde Drexler was a terrific player. And then you had Magic against Scotty because Scotty had just locked Magic up in the finals and Magic yeah. was still pissed. <laughs> so, man, we went up and down that court for an hour and a half every day, and it was like a game seven every single day. Mm. That's what I miss when I, when I, when I watch the NBA today. It ain't, uh, it, it ain't like, dude, it's nothing. It, like, that's what sports are about, competition. Yeah. That's what they're about. Well, we have to go because you have to go back and, and live your life. Yeah. Um, thank you for stopping by. No problem. You doing the Eastern Finals this year? We got the East this year, and I have no idea. Even Atlanta, be. you might be. You might I, be in Atlanta. I, you know, let me tell you something. You know, I try not to ever act like I know. I but got, you're rooting for Atlanta. Uh, I don't think they got enough big guys to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. To be honest yeah. with you, uh, I, right now, I have no idea who's going to win the Eastern Conference. I still like Chicago. To be honest with you. I actually do, too. Yeah. I, I think they have the most interesting ceiling yeah. of all these teams. I worry about Atlanta, where they have another gear. I, I really like that team, but well, I, you got to go up a level in the playoffs. I don't, I don't personally believe you can win a championship or go deep in the playoffs shooting jump shots. That's yeah. my personal opinion. I, I don't mind being wrong, but I don't think – I think the teams you play are too good. Like, you, you have a good team, bad team, bad team, good time when you're doing the regular season. Yeah. But when you play in the playoffs – Especially like in any round of the playoffs, you're playing against a good team. Like last year, Indiana was the number one seed. Atlanta gave them all they could handle. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that yeah, they yeah, should have yeah, won that yeah. series. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it is people. I tell people it's different in the playoffs than it is during the regular season. Because if you got any flaws, we're gonna the, the team is going to pinpoint them and attack you. Yeah. And from game one to game two, they make subtle adjustments. Three to four. There's so many subtle adjustments. And that's the one thing I don't like about college. And I want to be clear now. All these coaches can coach. Let me make that clear. But when I'm watching the games and getting ready for March Madness, a lot of these coaches don't make in-game adjustments. Like you can tell they have a game plan. But sometimes the game plan don't work. And I look at some of these coaches. Like I love the, the, the kid at Virginia. Yeah, He's terrific. Bill Self at Kansas, John Calipari, Mastrzewski, uh, Bo Ryan at Wisconsin, Jay Wright at Villanova. Man, these guys make great in-game adjustments. Uh, so, and, and, you know, everybody's on the Kentucky bandwagon. I like Kentucky. I'm picking Arizona to win it. 
I'm going to pick Arizona to win it. Feels like a hometown pick a little bit. It, no, I, I probably watched them more than I play in it, saw anybody yeah. else play, but I will tell you this. If Kentucky loses, it's going to be to a really good coach. Okay. Because you can't out-talent them. Yeah. You got to out-coach them. You know, you got to out-coach them. And, I'm, and that, you're not going to beat them strictly on talent. Because John Calipari is a terrific coach. He make adjustments. But if, if Kentucky loses, it's, and Sean Miller's a hell of a coach. If Kentucky loses, it's going to be to a hell of a coach who makes some great adjustments. All right. Anytime, Thank you, brother. Anytime, All my right. friend. Back with more uh, from Austin after this. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.